It's weird. It's 2020 already, okay? I don't know. Maybe that's not a big deal to you. But for me, um, I remember in 2003, it was the summer of 2003, so it was in between my freshman and my sophomore year of high school, I remember specifically thinking about the year 2020. Is that weird? Maybe that's weird. Kind of. Some people are like, yeah, that's really weird. What are you doing? You're a kid. Um, I don't know. Maybe it sounded cool or whatever. But I'm thinking about the year 2020. And I remember thinking, I was like, where will I be in 2020? That's so far away. That's like, I was 15 years old. That's like double my lifetime away, okay, at that point. It's like, oh, that's going to be, I'll be in my 30s. Oh. And maybe I'll be married. That's going to be weird. And oh, man, I might have kids. What will I be doing? I'll be done with high school, you know? (laughs) I'll be done with college. It was just a weird thing, uh, weird thing to think about back then. And it's weird. It seemed like an eternity away. And all of a sudden, here it is. Uh, We're here, 2020. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes what I do is I'll, uh, I'll go on a drive or I'll go on a walk or I'll just kind of take some time just by myself and I'll just think about my past. All right, I'll think about my memories. Um, usually that's a good thing. Usually uh, for me, a lot of times or most of the time, it's like super refreshing just to like take a step back and go, oh yeah, that was fun. Or oh yeah, I remember when we do that. Or oh, I remember when I used to, you know, when this person was in my life or, you know, we used to do this together, we used to do that. And it's just refreshing for me. But for a lot of us, it's not always the case, right? I mean, for a lot of us, we think about our past and we have, you know, we think about our mistakes, and we think about our, the, all the regrets that we have, and, and we think about the opportunities that maybe we missed out on, or maybe some stupid decision that we made that really changed the course of our life. And that's what this series, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about hindsight. We're going to be talking about um, regrets. We're going to be talking about our past. And we are going to be talking about, for the next three weeks, about how to move on from those things. And uh, we're going to be using scripture, obviously. We're going to be looking in God's word. And we're going to look at three different um, individuals, three examples of people that, uh, that really messed up. All right, but we're going to look at how they were able to move on, and they'll help us uh, do that for, for us in, in our own lives. Now, there is nobody in the Bible that knew, in my opinion, there's nobody in the Bible that knew about how much, how messed up they were more than Peter. Okay, we, don't, we think of uh, Peter, we think of disciple. Um, you know, usually we view him as like kind of the leader of the disciples. He was a leader. Uh, he um, was, was interesting, and he's not a boring guy to be around. If you don't know anything about Peter, uh, Peter, he's one of those guys that's all heart, half mind, okay? You all know people like that, okay, especially guys, right? A lot of times we're like that. We're all heart. We're all in, but we don't think about everything, or we don't think things through all the time. That is Peter. There's one time in Jesus's ministry where Jesus, he kind of circles his disciples up. This is really towards the beginning of his ministry. Jesus was doing his ministry for about three years, and uh, from 30 to 33 years old or so. And he circles his disciples up, and uh, he asks them, he's like, hey, you know, you, you've heard people talking, and, and you know, they're, they're listening to what I have to say. Who, and he asks them a question. He says, who do people say that I am? What are people saying out there? His disciples start uh, answering the question. They're like, well, you know, he, uh, uh, some people think you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been dead for a little while now, All right? So that's kind of creepy. Um, but then some people are like, well, some people, they think uh, you're, you're an Old Testament prophet. Or I've heard people say that you're Elijah. I've heard people say that maybe you're Jeremiah and you're just, you're just back from the dead. And Jesus is like, oh, okay. 
you know, I don't know if that's the answer Jesus was looking for, um, but uh, Jesus is like, all right, well, who do you say I am? And right at that moment, Peter, he just blurts out because this is what Peter does. Peter's just like, I know you are. I know the answer to that question. Uh, you, you just, you're the son of God. You're God's son. And Jesus is like, hey, excellent answer. You're right. That's who I am. You know, I'm here on a mission. I, I, I'm here for a reason. But then one moment later, so Peter, he answers right. You know, all the disciples, maybe they kind of roll their eyes like, oh, there's Peter again. Always, you know, always the first one. And, uh, and just one moment later, Jesus, he, he still has him in the circle and he, he starts to tell him about what's going to happen. And he said, hey guys, um, I got something to tell you. I'm going di- to end up dying for you. He says, and when I die for you, I want you to go, and this is kind of different, but he's like, I want you to go up to the region of Galilee. It's a, just a little region in the northern part of Israel where the Sea of Galilee was. He's like, I want you to meet me up in Galilee after I die. And right at that moment, Peter, he jumps up, he grabs, he, he grabs Jesus, and he kind of pulls him aside. And he says, well, Jesus, you cannot be talking like that. He rebukes Jesus. All right? He's saying, you cannot be talking like that. That is not good. That is not right. You can't be talking about death here. All right? You're not going to die And at that moment, Jesus, he turns back to the disciples who maybe are a few steps away and he says, Satan, get behind me to Peter's face. How many of you, uh, maybe when you were kids, you're at your, you know, friend's house and you were, you kind of witnessed your your friend getting in trouble with their parents? You guys ever feel that? And it's just awkward because you're like, I didn't do it, you know. But they're yelling at him. You know, this is super awkward. That's probably kind of what's going on here, all right? Jesus literally calls Peter, or Peter Satan, and all the disciples are like, whoa, you know, I don't know, yikes, he's in big trouble. I've never seen Jesus that upset before, right? That's the kind of guy who, who Peter was. One moment, he's all good because he's just, he's just blurting out. He's all heart, remember? The next minute, he's not all mine. And he's, he's telling Jesus what to do, and he's telling Jesus that he's wrong. All right, remember, Peter's the guy who, um, they're out in a boat one day, and they're, they're rowing, they can't get across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus, um, he's tired of waiting, so he just starts walking across the water, which had to have been sweet. And so Jesus is walking along, they, they realize that it's Jesus, and Jesus is like, yeah, come on out. And Peter's like, all right, and he jumps out into the water. You know this story where, where Peter walks on water? He starts walking to Jesus like, dude, this is sweet, and then his mind catches up. Remember to what, what's going on? And he's like, whoa, I'm walking on water. I shouldn't be doing this. He's kind of slows down and then it's like gets a little shaky and then he's like, Whoosh. you know? He starts to sink. And Jesus reaches down and grabs him. And that's Peter. Peter's bold. Right? Remember, this is the guy who the night before Jesus' arrest, he's, they're up in the upper room and uh, Jesus is explaining to them this whole communion thing where he's like, hey, I want you to eat this bread. I want you to, to drink this, this, uh, this wine. I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And, and you know, this is what's going to happen. My body's going to be broken and the blood's going to be spilled and all this stuff. And uh, Jesus, he actually tells his disciples, he says, hey, one of you guys, one of you, you're going to betray me. Then he says, actually, all of you, everybody's sitting here, all of you, all of you are going to fall away. And at that moment, check out Peter's response. All the disciples are like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? Peter says this. He says, Peter told him, he says, even if everyone, everyone falls away because of you, he says, I will never fall away. 
He's like, that's not me. That's not, you know, Jesus, do you know who I am? And he's looking at these guys. You know, this is how I picture it. He's like, even of all of these, see all these guys? Yeah, this one, yeah, John, James, yeah. Even if all of these guys fall away, I, can, I see what you're talking about, Jesus. I can totally see them falling away, but not me. All right, I'm with you. I got your back. I'm with you till the end. It's kind of funny because he, uh, Peter reminds me of how a lot of Christians are, okay? A lot, a lot about how a lot of us are. Um, a lot of times, you know, we as Christians, what do we like to do? We like to show off our faith, all right? We want everybody around us to think we're like this ultra supreme, you know, Christians. And so we make ourselves look spiritual. We make ourselves look like we got it all going on, that we got this extra close, real deep personal relationship uh, with God. And I think a lot of times what has enhanced that is social media, okay? Facebook and all that kind of stuff where it's like, you know, we post a verse and, and look at our Facebook. We are so spiritual. Check us out. It's like we act like as soon as we get off, you know, we get out of here, we jump in our car, we start blaring our, Christ, our Christian music and then, you know, our worship music and then we get home and, and what do we do? Well, we open up our Bibles and read that for a couple hours and then we pray for a few more hours. You know, that's how we act like our lives are. But in reality, our hearts are just as jacked up as the next guy. We're just, we're just messed up people. You know, for me, the, uh, the closer I grow in my relationship with God, the more I realize how far away from God I actually am. See, the more that I grow in my relationship with God, the more I realize that, oh man, I'm not... My, the distance between me and God isn't getting closer. The distance is getting farther because I'm realizing, because I don't realize how far away from God I actually am. Sometimes I go around, I feel like I'm a pretty good person. Well, I'm better than that guy. I'm way better than her. You know, at least I don't do that kind of stuff. But in reality, I am so, I'm just as far away from God as they are. And that's kind of how Peter is right here. Peter, he's like, he's like, not me, God. Uh, Jesus, I, yeah, maybe those, maybe them. But that's, that's not who I am. And check out Jesus' response here in Matthew. It says, truly I tell you. So this is what Jesus is saying. He says, truly I tell you, Jesus said to him, tonight. He says, tonight, before the rooster crows, you will deny me not once, not twice. You will deny me three times. And Peter answers back. He says, even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I mean, he's going to the extreme here. He's like, even if I have to die with you, Peter told him, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. So they're having this conversation, right? Peter's saying, hey, you're wrong, Jesus. I'm never going to fall away. I got your back. I'm with you to the end. And then all the other disciples, they're saying the same thing. They're like, yeah, well, he said, I'm, I'm with you too. You know, uh, all this stuff, it, it, whatever's going to be happen, we're, happening, we're, we're all with you. And then later that night, some time passes, and they're finished with dinner, and, and uh, they've just had this kind of awkward, weird conversation, and, and uh, I don't, it's, it's late, and so I'm assuming some of the disciples are trying to figure out, you know, they're like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to sleep, and Jesus goes and he takes Peter, James, and John. He says, hey, come with me. They go downstairs and they walk to a nearby garden. And uh, Jesus takes them and he says, hey, guys, I, I really, really need you to do something for me tonight. And he's kind of, Jesus is kind of stressed out. And he says, he says hey, uh, I need you to pray for me. 
I mean, these are the disciples, right? This is what they, they've been living with Jesus for three years, so this should be super easy for them. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, we got it, we got it. We'll be, we'll be praying right here. He's like, all right, I'm going to go over here, just a stone throw away. He's like, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going I'm to pray. But you guys pray, and I really need you to pray for me tonight, and I'm going to pray here. Jesus starts praying, and a little while he gets up, and he goes over to the disciples. He finds them sleeping, right? Kicks them, I don't know what he does, but he wakes them up. He's like, guys. What's going on here? You guys are supposed to be praying. Why are you sleeping? They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And this is Peter. Peter's in, you know, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, we're going to pray now. And he's like, all right. Jesus goes. He prays by himself. He goes back. He finds him sleeping again. All right, he does this three different times. He goes off to him by himself. He comes back. The, he comes to find them. They're, they're sleeping. And the third time, he's just like, hey, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're just, we're just, we're just, he's like, hey, you know, I know it's been a long day, but, but time's up. We're out of time here. And about the time they're waking up and Jesus is talking to them, this like small crowd, uh, almost like a small mob, they come in. They're led by one of the disciples. His name is Judas. And Judas comes up and it's kind of different. You know, it's late at night and Judas comes up and he gives, he hugs Jesus. He gives him a, he gives him a kiss. And uh, that was a prearranged sign that Judas had made with the, the crowd saying, hey, the one that I hugged, the one that I kissed, that's the one who you need to arrest. He's, he's the Jesus guy that you're looking to kill. And uh, the crowd comes, and they start to arrest Jesus. Remember what Peter does? Right? He's like waking up like, what? Is that Judas? What's going on here? Why are those people mad? You know? And, and he, remember what he does? He grabs his sword, and he's like, whoa, you stay, stay behind me, Jesus. I got this. You know, there's like a crowd of them, and there's four, you know, with Peter. He's like, I got this. And he goes and he, Peter starts, he's swinging for heads, man. He starts swinging his sword around and he, he's trying to kill these, he's trying to kill a guy and he misses the guy's head, but he does, he does hack off his ear. Remember that part of the story? He hacks off his ear. All right. See, Peter, he's one, he's not an organized guy. Okay. He's not a guy with a plan. He's a go, 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 go. Think about it later. He's like, like in football, he'd be like the fullback, okay? Not a guy that you want to like think about strategy or think about, no, you're, this is a guy you hand the ball off to and a big guy and you're just like, you just go run straight. Run until, until they get you down, right? That's Peter. And so Peter, um, when, when he does that, Jesus is like, hey, Peter, knock it off. And Jesus, which is, really remarkable. He goes down, he picks up this guy's ear, and he attaches it back to this guy's head. He does this miracle to one of the guys who's trying to arrest him. And he's like, why are you guys coming at me with, with clubs and swords? Did I ever do anything like that? Like, you, you think you need that to arrest me? I'm going to come willingly. And so Jesus goes with them. And then one of the saddest verses in all the Bible in Mark, he says this. Mark tells us, he says, then they all deserted him, and they ran away. The disciples that are there that night, including Peter, Peter, James, John, they're all sitting there. Peter just got yelled at by Jesus again. Peter's freaking out because he tried to kill this guy and missed, right? He doesn't want to get in trouble, and so and he takes off. Completely, completely deserts. Peter, or completely deserts Jesus. They don't want any part of what's going on. Now we find out that Peter and John, they meet up and they start following the crowd. They start following Jesus from a distance, right? But just think about this for a second. Can you imagine how they felt? 
I mean, put yourself in Peter's shoes for just, for just a second. Imagine how they must have felt just hours before this. They were both saying, we're never going to leave you. They were saying, hey, hey, we got your back. We got you, Jesus. No, Jesus, you're wrong. We're never going to deny you. We're never, we're never going to leave you. And now just a few short hours later, what are they doing? They're sneaking around in the dark, not wanting to be seen with Jesus following Jesus, seeing about what, what, what's going to happen. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know why this is all happening. I mean, this wasn't part of the plan. I mean, we talked about uh, our, during our Christmas series, remember we talked about how the Jewish people, they're, they're waiting for this Messiah. They're waiting for the Savior, this person who's going to save them from their physical enemies, people who are going to save them politically. They could be a, their own country again, and he was going to be their king. That's what the disciples are thinking. They're like, hey, Jesus is going to be the top guy. He's going to save us. We're going to break away from Rome. All right, They're the ones who own us right now. We're going to break away, and Jesus is going to be king. Jesus getting arrested, that's not part of the plan. That's not, that's not how it was supposed to go. Jesus, he's uh, sent to the high priest's house, and he's the top religious leader at the, at, you know, in, in Jerusalem, and um, they, they're the ones who want Jesus dead. They're the ones who want to, want to kill Jesus, so they're trying to figure out how to do it legally, and so they go to the high priest's house, and, and he's, they're kind of making, almost doing like a, a court uh, to, to try Jesus and, and make it a legal thing. And John and, and Peter, they go up, and John seems to, he knows some of the people in the high priest's house. So they let John in, but they don't, want, they don't let Peter in, and they don't quite know who Peter is. And uh, John has to vouch for him. He's like, hey, no, you can let Peter in. It's all good. Um, you know, he, he's, he's with me. So they're like, all right, I guess. And so they let Peter in, but Peter, he's allowed into the courtyard area. And while he's there, there's, uh, there's, some, there's some other guys that are standing around this fire, and because it's cold that night, they're just warming themselves by the fire. And then this, this servant girl comes up, and this is what she says. It says, when a servant saw him sitting in the light and looked closely at him, she said, hey, this, is the man, this man was with him too. Pointing at Peter, but he denied it, saying, woman or girl, I don't know him. Right, think about this for a second. This is Peter, right? This is a man, you know, this is a man's man. He's a, he's a fisherman by trade. He's, he's got the sword. He's trying, to, he's trying to hack people's heads off. And, and uh, I mean, this, think about what he has just done, even this, this very night. And then this teenage girl comes up to him and is like, hey, are, she just simply asks him, hey, are, are you one of them? Were you with that Jesus guy? And Mark actually, we get, Mark records for us some more, some more detail. Actually, we have four, you know, each of the Gospels have the same story in it. So each one records different details. It's super interesting. But this is what Mark says. Mark records what he, what, uh, what he says. He says, Peter says, I neither know Jesus nor understand what, are you talking, what you're talking about. You ever meet somebody who's just a terrible liar? You know, where they lie to you and you're like, am I an idiot? You know, how dumb do you think I am? You got anybody? Okay, all right, good. I've worked with middle school and high school students for the last decade. So um, I've had to experience that a lot. Sometimes you go up to a kid and you're just like, why'd you, you know, make that mess? You're like, why'd you do that? They're like, I I didn't do it. What are you talking about? Oh, this one. You know, you're like, dude, I watched you with my own eyes. All right, you're not going to convince me. And a lot of times, even then, they're like, what, huh? 
Huh? Like, dude. I feel like that's kind of how Peter was. I bet you could, I bet the people standing around, they could read it all over Peter's face. And that's what Peter says. He's like, who, that guy? That guy? No, I don't know him. And then Peter's strategy is just to play dumb, right? Which works sometimes, but most of the time never works at all. You know, Peter's like, what? Wait, who, what, what are you asking me? You know, I don't understand what you're saying. What? Huh? You know, he's like a, he's like a high school guy um, who's, who's getting in trouble. It's not a hard question to understand. And it gets a little heated and it's just awkward. Peter doesn't want to get in trouble or whatever. And so Peter ends up walking away and then a little later, somebody else comes up to Peter and they're like, are you sure you weren't with Jesus? Because I'm pretty sure you're one of the guys that, that, that were with him in the garden. And Peter's like, no, I don't know. Stop asking me that, me that question. Okay, I've already answered that question. No, I don't, I don't know who that guy is in there. Denies him again. And then the third time happens like this. It says, about an hour later, another kept insisting. So this is probably super frustrating for Peter. He says, this man, he's pointing at Peter. He says, this man was certainly with him since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then... The Lord turned, and he looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him that very night. He said, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me not once, not twice, but three times. And he went outside, and he wept bitterly. Can you imagine the look that Jesus gave? I mean, just think about that for just, just a second. Imagine the look that Jesus gave to him. Peter, he's out there in the courtyard. He's been questioned twice. There's this teenage girl who keeps pointing, ah, that's, that's one of him, you know, and, uh, and then this guy comes up and he's like, hey, the way that you talk, you're Galilean, you got the Galilean accent, okay, the way that you talk, you have to be one of them, and Peter is so fed up with it, he's like, dude, I don't know this guy, stop asking me these questions, and then we find out he actually starts cursing. He's throwing, down, he's throwing down some curse words. It's like, he's like, see, I'm not with that. Jesus was, he would never have said these things. I'm not, I'm not with one of those, with that guy. And Peter, he's, he's so frustrated. And about that time, as soon as he's, uh, he's explaining or, or he, he's giving out his answer, at that very moment, a rooster crows nearby, or maybe he's in the courtyard with him, I don't know. Rooster crows, Jesus hears it. And then he happens to glance over through a couple doorways or through a window because Jesus is inside and Peter's outside. He happens to glance and Jesus looks his way as he's got all these people accusing him, tell him how, how he did wrong. Jesus knows he's about to die. And Peter looks in there and Jesus looks and their eyes meet. And Jesus looks at him. What do you think that look looked like? And at that very moment, when their eyes, when, you know, when their eyes lock, Peter gets it. Peter's like, oh, what have I just done? Yeah, I want to. I've done this three times. Here's your crow, and he remembers that Jesus told him he was going to do that. And he remembers how, how adamant that he was, I would never do this to you, Jesus. And, you know, that's not who I am. And when he realizes it, he has immediately, he has immediate guilt and immediate shame. 
He can't hold it anymore. He just runs away crying. He doesn't know what to do. See, one interesting thing to me about the Bible is that the Bible never glosses over the failures of any of its leaders. Okay, by the way, that is so much different than, than all other religions. All the religions say, hey, look at their leader. You need to be like them. No, the Bible, like a leader like Peter, the Bible doesn't gloss over his, his problems, his mistakes. See, that's what Peter was, right? I mean, Peter's a, he's a failure. He messed up. He messed up big time. Right? Peter knew it. Jesus knew it. The rest of the disciples, they knew it. I mean, we know it. Here we are 2,000 years later still talking about the mistakes that he makes. Hopefully, you know, if the world lasts as long, but in 2,000 years later, they're not still talking about our mistakes. But that's what's going on with Peter. See, we look at, we look at Peter and we think of like a Bible character. And this is, what, this is what some people, like, I don't know, our culture, maybe it's just other churches or whatever. But uh, a lot of churches, you know, they, we, view, we view Bible characters and people like Peter is like someone dressed in their fine robe with, with, you know, they got their scrolls in hand that they wrote because, you know, they are perfect people and they walked around saying, you know, you know, bless you and all this kind of stuff. That's how we view, that's how we do, view people, in, you know, in the Bible. But that is not reality. That's not who Peter was. Peter wasn't an eloquent speaker. He's a fisherman. He spent his life outdoors. That's all he really knew what to do. He was a lot like us. And we happen to get a glimpse, just a snapshot of Peter's worst day ever. It was actually just about to get a lot worse because just a few hours later, Jesus was, Jesus was going to be crucified on a cross. Something that wasn't supposed to happen, something that wasn't part of the plan. And then after three days, Jesus rose again and, and Jesus starts appearing to different disciples and different of his followers. And it's kind of funny how he does that. I would encourage you, we don't have enough time to really talk about that, but encourage you to, he just starts appearing to people and he'll, he'll walk with them, you know, seven miles and then tell them some stuff and then they don't realize that it's Jesus and then later he's like, hey, I'm Jesus. And then he just disappears, okay? This, Jesus, he starts appearing to them and he doesn't really explain to them what's going on or what's gonna happen, but he appears to them, in my opinion, I think it's just so that they would believe. They all watched him die just so that they would believe that this miracle actually happened. And then some time passes, and, and a couple weeks happen, and, uh, and Peter is with some of the disciples actually go up to Galilee. Remember, that's what Jesus told them to do um, after he died. So they go up to Galilee, and they're just kind of waiting around. Nothing seems to be happening. Jesus hasn't explained anything. And then John 21, 3 says this. Peter says, hey, he's talking to some of the other disciples, probably James and John are there as well. He says, hey, I'm going fishing. Simon Peter said to them. They said, hey, we're coming with you, they told him. And they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Remember, most of these guys, including Peter, Peter, James, and John, all three of those guys, they are, they are professional fishermen. I mean, that's what they do. That's their livelihood. They knew more about fishing than anything else. Um, that's how they made their money. And when Peter declares that he is going fishing, most scholars, it's not just like, like hey, I'm, you know, I'm, let's, go, let's go fishing and pass some time. Most scholars are saying, no, he's making this statement. This is Peter. Peter's saying, hey, I'm done with this life. I'm going back to fishing. I'm moving on. 
I'm going back to the way life was three years ago, before this whole Jesus thing hap- happened. I'm, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to my old business, my old life. See, Jesus, his whole, or Peter, his whole life has been turned upside down, and everything that he had planned on happening didn't end up happening. His hopes and dreams were gone, shot, done. Um, I am, like I know a lot of you, I am a huge Ohio State fan. I love college football. It's like, it's like my thing. Can't wait in you know, August. It you know, can't come soon enough. But uh, college football this year, being an Ohio State fan, it was kind of exciting because I was like, you know, everything was going to be new. We had a new coach. We have new coordinators. We, uh, we have a new quarterback. We have all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I, you know, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be good, but we might not win our conference, and, you know, we're, we might have a couple down years, but that's, that's all right. Well, then after the first few games this, this year, I'm like, hey, we're a lot better than I thought. And then about midway through the season, I'm thinking, I'm looking at this team, I'm like, I don't see any weaknesses on Ohio State's team this year. Like, they are really, really good. They seem super solid, and, uh, and I started thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't know if I've ever seen Ohio State team in my lifetime that is as good as this year's team. I'm getting excited. My hopes and dreams start, start to go. Instead of thinking, hey, I think we we'll, might be second or third in the conference, it's like, hey, we're going to win the conference and we're going to win the national championship, okay? This is that type of caliber team. And then last week happened. <laughs> Stay up late. They lose it in the last minute of the game or so. And then it's just done. Over. Whole, you know, in my opinion, I'm like, the whole, you know, we'll never get a team like that again. It's just wasted. You know, but, but, but it's done. And I think, obviously, to a much greater extent than college football, here Peter, because this is his whole life, Peter's like, in a matter of, you know, when he first started with his ministry with Jesus three years before, you know, Peter's like, ah, yeah, we'll probably, this, this might go okay. Then about a, a year and a half in, he's, I, I, Peter's going, hey, this might be the real deal. All right, Jesus might be actually the Messiah. No, he's more than a teacher now. He's more than, he's more than that. This, this guy's the son of God, like what he, had, what he had declared in front of all the disciples just earlier. And he gets to that point, and, and, and he gets excited. He's like, hey, you know, he's going to become king. This is going to be great. This is, and his hopes to get high, high, high. And then a matter of hours, it's over. Jesus is dead. He watches it happen, put to death. In the most gruesome way really possible. And they go up to Galilee. He's seen Jesus. He knows Jesus is alive. He knows he's been raised from the dead, but he doesn't know what's going on. And Peter's just like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm going back to fishing. And one of the other disciples say, the other disciples are like, yeah, we'll go too. We'll follow you, Peter. All right, we're going too. And then the first night out, they catch nothing. Right? I could totally relate to that because I feel like that's every time I go fishing. All right? They catch nothing. And it's almost like in a, in a very loving way, it's almost like Jesus messing with his kids. Right? Um, you know, what do you think was going to happen? You think Jesus was just going to let them go? You think Jesus was going to let them, you know, let them do that? You know, would you do that? Think about it. If, if there was a kid running out into the street and you know that wasn't best for them and you know that wasn't good and then a car's coming, what are you going to do? You're going to grab them. You're going to pull them back, even if that grabbing hurts. See, that's what God does to us. 
A lot of times we just, we just get off, we just veer off course. Sometimes we don't even know that we're doing it. Or maybe it's like Peter and you're making a conscious decision like, I'm done with this, I'm moving this way. A lot of times God has to grab us. And sometimes when he grabs us and pulls us back over, sometimes it hurts. God wasn't going to let Peter go. He was going to let Peter go back to his old life. In the next verse, 21, verse 4, it says, When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples, they didn't know it was Jesus. And he says, Friends, Jesus called to them, You don't have any fish, do you? Now they answered. So they're all fishing. Peter's probably frustrated. They've been up all night. They're all, you know, they're all tired. And some guy's on the shore and he's going, hey, guys, did you get anything? No, not last night. You know, they say, no. And then the guy starts talking to him. You know, they're about 100 yards away or so. And the guy's like, hey, I got an idea for you. Why don't you throw your net on the other side of the boat? And again, these guys are professionals. You know what they're thinking. They're like, who is this guy? That's the big secret. Switch sides of the boat. You know, the boat's like this wide. Like there's fish over here, but not over here, right? But they do it anyway, so they throw it over, and they end up getting such a big catch that they can't even haul it in. And this is super significant. You gotta kind of, you gotta study this to really understand, I feel like. This is the same thing that Jesus did to them when they had first met Peter, when he had first met Peter, James, and, uh, and John. That story quickly, it, it goes like this where Peter, Jesus, he's just starting out his ministry, he hasn't, had any, he hasn't called his disciples yet, and he's just ta- out there talking. And uh, when he's done with his talk, he jumps into Peter's boat, which, is probably, which was probably kind of weird, and they knew that he was a, a rabbi, a teacher, or whatever. And uh, Jesus is like, hey, take me fishing. You're a fisherman, T- take me fishing. And Peter's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a professional fisherman, and I don't, you know, you know, I don't do charters like this. But, uh, but he's like, hey, I was just, we were just out all night. There's no fish out there. And Peter's, or Jesus is just like, well, let's just, let's just try. Let's just go out there. Let's just try. Peter's like, all right, I'll show you. He goes out there. In a little ways, Jesus is like, yeah, let's just let's stop here. This place, this looks good. I'm no expert. He's like, throw, throw your net in real quick. And they're like, all right, we'll show you. You know, he throws the net in. Same thing. They catch so much fish that uh, the nets start breaking. And immediately, this is what Peter says. He falls down at Jesus' feet in his own boat. And he says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. That's how Peter and Jesus meet. See, Jesus is doing the same thing that he did three years ago. He's doing it now to Peter. And when Peter and the disciples see this and they catch all these, these fish, they know It's Jesus, and with Peter being Peter, he throws himself into the lake, and he starts swimming as fast as he can to shore to see Jesus. And when he gets there, Jesus is there. He's got a little fire going, and he's cooking him breakfast, which is sweet. I like that part, Uh, which is is sweet. And what Jesus is doing is he's going to explain to these guys exactly what's going to happen, probably exactly what they've been waiting for weeks, weeks to hear. See, some of you, some of us, I'm I'm in this too, we're constantly recounting our our, our failures in life. See, a lot of us, we we look back on our past, 
And uh, we're constantly thinking about that, you know, that time that we messed up. Or some of those major mistakes that we've made. Some of, some of us, because we've made those mistakes in our life, the way that our version of Christianity that we've come up with, which isn't correct, the, the way that we view Jesus is the God who's standing on the shore in an angry voice saying, hey, get out of that boat. But that's not who he is. He's not like that. Here, Jesus, he recreates the first miracle that he did for Peter, letting him know that Jesus was not going to let him go. And Jesus doesn't let us go either. See, after Peter's terrible crash and burn, Peter happens to be the guy that Jesus selects to be like the most prominent leader in his church. Think about all that Peter has done. Right? Peter's the only guy that Jesus ever called Satan, right? It's not good when God's, yeah, you know. Peter had just promised Jesus that he wouldn't deny him, and then he ends up denying him three times. He cut off a guy's ear. You know, now he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this whole Jesus stuff. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old life. But they're sitting around this campfire, and Jesus points to him, and he says, hey, you're my man. I'm going to use you. Let that sink in for a second. See, Jesus, God uses us. He uses us, and, and he, it almost seems like he uses us more the more messed up we are. See, too many of us, we are so embarrassed about our past. We have so much shame that has just built up and built up and built up about our past. And we think to ourselves, we're like, okay, after the mistakes I know I've made, there's no possible way, there's no possible chance that God could love me. There's no way God wants to be a part of my life. Look at what I've done. But what we forget is look how messed up the leaders are in the Bible. Look how messed up Peter was. See, our church, here, all of us, we're just a bunch of messed up people that come together on Sunday morning, right? We're all messed up, right? Us as leaders, us as pastors, we're just as messed up as you. I mean, especially AJ. You know, look at AJ. He's not here to defend himself, so I figured I'd take a, get him. But if this is one of your first times with us, and you, the way that you view Christianity or the way that you view Christians is you're just like, hey, you know, oh, Christians, they're those people who are so judgmental and they think they're perfect and everything and, and they follow God's rules and, but, you know, all that stuff. But, but I know they're not perfect. You know, all the, that's how you, that, that's not Christianity. Okay, this is one of your first times with us. Welcome to the sick ward. We're all in here. Right, we're all messed up. We've all made so many mistakes See, some people, it's just so hard for us to admit that. I don't know why that is. Why is it so hard for us to admit, hey, yeah, I was wrong when I said that. I was wrong when I did that. See, some people have a superiority complex, meaning if I were to go up to them and I were to say, hey, are you you a Christian? They would say, whoa, am I a Christian? Of course I'm a Christian. 
You can't tell that I'm a Christian. You know, what's wrong with you? Have you seen the list? Look at all this stuff I've done. I go to church every week. I've been baptized. You know, I've, uh, I read my Bible. You know, sometimes I, I do this, I do that. I'm a good worker at work. You know, I, I, I bought somebody their lunch once. You know, I've done all this stuff. I volunteer, give to charity. You know, I've done all this stuff. Have you not seen my list of stuff? Look at my list of stuff. Of course I'm a Christian. I'm a better Christian than you. I'm one of the best Christians there are. Superiority complex. Not right. Then other people, you have the, uh, other people have the exact opposite problem. It's, they have an inferiority complex. Meaning if I were to go to them and say, hey, you know, are, are you a Christian? They'd say, what, what do you mean? You can't tell I'm a Christian? What would I do? What, what, what's wrong? Did you find out something that I did, you know, that, that, I, I, you know, that I did years ago? Why don't, you, why don't you think I'm a Christian? What's, that's not right either. See, I feel like if I were to go up to Peter and say, hey, Peter, I... I you know, are you a Christian? Peter would be like, ha, yeah. Can you believe that? Actually, I'm like number one Christian right now, which is crazy. What a joke. Because I'm messed up. Did you know I denied Jesus three times and then he looked at me? I'm a messed up person. See, Peter, he willfully, intentionally did wrong. He did exactly what he said he'd never do. But the difference between Peter and a lot of us is Peter was repentant. That's kind of a weird church word that we hear only at church. That just means we're sorry for what we've did, but it's more than that. It's not just the attitude of being sorry. It's an action part of it, which is changing. See, a lot of us, we do something wrong, and we're, we're messed up people, and we know right, that, uh, that, you know, we're sorry for what we've done. We're sorry about the consequences. We're sorry for, for this. But a lot of us, we're not repentant about it. I mean, we don't, we don't change. We're not going to change. That's what Peter does. We see this. We see the repentance of Peter the moment that Jesus looks at him. What does he do? He runs away crying. He is so filled with shame. He is so filled with guilt. He is so sorry and repentant for what he's done. He can't stay there. He just lets it all spill out, and he leaves. See, a lot of us, we don't, we don't change. We, and, and when we do that, really what happens is our past begins to define us. We become that person who did that. Oh, that person, oh, yeah. Remember when they had that affair? They did, you know, remember when they did this? That's who we become. And it's like our future, or our, our past ends up defining our future, but this is not what happens with Peter's. Peter's past does not define him. Just a few short days after this, because right here around this campfire, Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, um, you know, I'm going to use you to build a church. I'm gonna, you're going to do great things. I'm going to use you to do great things. And Peter's like, okay, yeah, all right. Just a few days after this, Jesus, or Peter, he is standing in the middle of Jerusalem, the same place where Jesus just got arrested from. And uh, he's standing there, and he's, he's out there telling him, hey, he's saying, hey, you guys killed your Messiah. You guys killed your Savior. You nailed him to a cross. You know, how dare you? How messed up is that? He doesn't care if he gets arrested. Actually, he ends up getting arrested because of this. And he's just out there. He's just telling him how it is. And thousands of people get saved because of him, because of God using him, because God used this person who had so many mistakes. And this isn't even Peter's last mistake that he makes. I mean, we see in the New Testament, Paul has to correct Peter on some things. He is so far away from perfect. But his past didn't define him, and it didn't define his future, and our past doesn't define us. Why? Because Jesus went after him. 
And Jesus goes after us. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for loving us enough to come after us. God, we are so messed up. We've all made major mistakes in our life, and none of us are even close to perfect. Even if we think we're perfect, that just shows you how messed up we are. God, we ask that you would help us grow closer in our relationship with you. Help us not to sit around in our self-pity and constantly think about the past and all the mistakes that we've, you know, that we've made throughout the years. God, you are coming after us. You want us. You want that relationship with us. God, help us to accept you. Lord, we thank you for loving us. You don't have to, but for some reason you do. And God, we thank you for caring about us and thank you for dying for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.